hidden behind closed doors. This is BRB Movies. I'm Jason. And I'm Michael. Michael, what movie are we discussing today? Today we're talking about April Fool's Day from 1986, directed by Fred Walton. Jason, what are we drinking? We are drinking New Glarus Triple Five. All right, I am so excited. New Glarus is one of my absolute favorite breweries. This is a Belgian triple. It is made with five unique grains. Barley, white wheat, oats, brown rice, and heirloom Midwestern corn. It's got that lovely kind of bubblegummy, oh, totally bubblegum. Just a delicious drink. It's so tasty. What do you think? That bubblegum for the triple, you could really taste it. I'm trying to look at what the ABV on this is. Nine. Nine. Yeah. They don't distribute outside of Wisconsin. I was able to bring this back a recent trip to the Midwest. Everything done above the board. <laughs> so it's it's not the easiest brewery to get but if you if you can get it if you're ever in wisconsin you have got to try this brewery they everything they do is just smashing cheers so, cheers and we're drinking out of appropriate glasses as well aren't we i've got my three weavers tulip and you have your tarantula Chilly hill, hill. Tulip. nice it actually does have a distinction because it's the only beer of theirs that i know of that actually has the abv on it they usually don't as a triple with that bubblegum taste, I'm beginning to feel it already. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that just means you have to drink more often. Exactly. So, Michael, you chose this movie. I love this movie. I don't care. I don't care what anyone says. I am an unabashed lover of this film. It was released in 86. This is this is the heyday. I think we're, we're both coming of age at that time. Of course, I was younger than you. <laughs> Thank you for pointing that yes, out. <laughs> you were more wizened. So, no, but but this this came out in the midst. You know, it's the '80s, so it's like you're talking slashers, you're talking violence, like over the top violence, um, gratuitous nudity. That's what was the hallmark of a lot of horror films at this time. This movie was actually marketed as a slasher type movie along those lines. It's not that violent. No, it's actually kind of a clever twisty little movie that didn't fall into that wheelhouse or that segment of, of what horror movies were at that time. I guess it did make money, but it was not a huge hit. I found out it was marketed poorly. The director and the writer both felt this was not marketed correctly. It's not your slash movie. There's, there's no nudity. Most of the violence takes place off screen. I'm curious of how it got an R. Nobody even gets punched couple of swear words but I can't there's nothing gratuitous there's close to nudity which as a as a 12 year old watching this ugh, just, you know <laughs> waiting for it uh, I, was, I was just ugh. from what I read this movie was roughed up by the critics which I think is somewhat unfortunate because it is an outlier in that era and because of the twist ending they thought that was cheap and stupid I personally think it's super clever I think as an outlier in the era of the slasher movies I think the critics missed it I think the critics completely missed the point of this movie. I would have rated it much higher. And I did some little research on April Fool's Day. I looked up of course on the, you did. <laughs> I looked up on the History Channel. There's still some arguments of when it actually came about or why. And some historians speculate that April Fool's Day dates back to 1582 when France switched 
from the Julian calendar to the Gregorian calendar as called for by the Council of Trent in 1563. In the Julian calendar, the new year began with the spring equinox around April 1st. People who were slow to get the news of failed or recognize the start of the new year had moved to January 1st and continued to celebrate during the last week of March through April 1st. They became the butt of jokes. At the same time, there's also speculation that the April Fool's Day was tied to the vernal equinox or first day of spring in the Northern Hemisphere when Mother Nature fooled people with changing unpredictable weather. Also, spoiler alert, we should have been doing this from the first episode. Um, <laughs> We're going to be telling you everything about this movie. <laughs> yes. I think should, we got to start doing that, right? Exactly. So watch this movie so, or listen to us yeah. and don't watch the movie and, and just chalk it up that you did. Or listen to us and then go watch yeah. it. And see, see if, if you disagree with us, we'd love to hear about that. Let me tell you, suspension of disbelief gets stretched really thin in this movie. This is a movie that you have to watch twice. You have to watch it going in, not knowing anything. And then once you know the twist, it's, you have to go back and watch it again to, to basically make sense of what the twist is doing. The people in this movie, you would recognize them from 80s movies. The lead, she did Valley Girl with Nicolas Cage, which recently has been remade. Deborah and Foreman. I, and I think she actually had a spot in it because, of course, she, she made it. She did My Chauffeur. And then you have the cool artist guy, played by Chaz, Clayton Rohner, who looks exactly out of mid-80s, weird science. I just have to say it, at one point he's wearing a sweater vest and pajama bottoms. Exactly. And, and he's going out and playing soccer. You didn't come up in the 80s, you might not get it, you might just think that's crazy people outfits. That is such an 80s outfit, to have a sweater vest and pajama bottoms. The character seems it's based off of Robert Downey Jr.'s character from Weird Science. In terms of the look, the hair and everything. And that Websites. character is everywhere in the <laughs> 80s. When yeah. you go back to that time, that guy pops up in every flipping movie. He's either the cool guy yeah. or the cool dork or something. Yeah, there's there is that variation of the spiky-haired yeah. guy with the sweater vest. Best. From Ferris Bueller onwards. They're all over the And place. then you have the jock funny guy played by Arch Thomas F. Wilson from Back to the Future. Biff. Biff, Biff yeah. Tannen. And, and I will say, everybody will see this guy and go, Biff Tannen. I will forever be, see him as Art. We have a bunch of privileged white kids from the Northeast. They're going to their friend. Her name is Muffy St. John. <laughs> The best, the best name. I mean, yeah, like, honestly, you have like, to say it like in, in William F. Buckley's voice, like, Muffin St. John. So, you know, but it also sounds a little like an adult film name, too. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it, it does. You said that, not me. <laughs> so, you got this group of friends, which, by the way, I was able to tie the name of the beer, Triple Five, into the movie because there are five core friends who are Muffy's friends, have known her. And then three, triple, three new people, you know? So we, so we have the crew. We have Chaz. He's got the camcorder. Sign of privilege. At the time, in the mid-'80s, having a camcorder was kind of a big deal. So we have Chaz, Nikki. They're a couple. We have Arch. We have Rob and Kit. Those are the five core friends. Rob and Kit are a couple. Arch is on his own. He's collar up or collar down. Then we have Skip. Skip is Muffy's quote-unquote cousin. cousin. He's so, a ne'er-do-well of the family. He is. He, he's a distant, 
distant po- relative. Poor side of the family. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and then we have Nan, who's a very square. She knows Muffy through the theater department at college. Hint. Boom. She talks about what a great actress Muffy is. And then we have Harvey, Hal, who has a southern accent. He's sort of like completely not a part of this crew. And he lets Muffy cheat and they have an... On e- Econ 345. Absolutely. He is Alex P. Keaton of this movie from the South. Cheers to that. That Yeah. No, that 100%. He wants to meet her dad because her old money. He wants to be on Wall Street. Anything. Just to climb. This guy is an ambitious young man. He dresses out of the Mervyn's catalog of nineteen uh, mid-1980s. <laughs> but that opening scene, I want to point out, it's a clue. It opens with Chaz videotaping. I thought, oh, found footage early on. She, he's videotaping Nikki. And she's basically saying, when I graduate, I want to work with handicapped children. I'm, I'm quoting her exactly. Uh, my parents are my best friend. I'm going to go to convent school. Plus, I F on my first date, April Fool's. People, this this movie is about play acting and pretend. And that should have been one of the first hints. So yeah, you have the whole crew. They're meeting on a ferry. It's the last ferry of the day. And they're going to be spending a weekend out at Muffy's like, palatial estate on this island, Connecticut, where you could see the Kennedy's compound. And then it jumps to Muffy clean up her cellar and this is a tell muffy's housekeeper you know clearly she says ah you know i'll stay around and muffy's saying no no go 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 if i was the housekeeper i would i would be more apt to say what are you doing in the cellar there's no reason for you to be down here why are they gonna be in the cellar i don't go to someone's (laughs) basement but apparently eventually you go to someone's attic (laughs) (laughs) you do you hit the highs and the lows of this house she props a window open that is important. It's one of the things when we get into this that stretching, the suspension of disbelief, it is one thing I think is actually pretty smart and they do well. She does have a flashback at that point, Michael. First of all, it's such a hoity-toity. She's doing the jack-in-the-box thing and there's a monster. Instead of a jack-in-the-box, it's a flipping monster that looks like something from Ghoulies. So, but they all start laughing like, oh, what a good joke we played on this little girl. And by the way, if this is real, if this is to be believed, that this is a real memory, she has a twin. But the twin is not there celebrating the birthday. Exactly. I mean, that's another hint that one, the family is a bunch of jokesters. And two, what later is revealed later on is not true. So we're on the ferry. It's it's off. And Nikki... Gets down to his swimsuit. She wants to do some sunbathing. Tracks attention of Buck, who's the deckhand, yeah. um, and Harv. Yeah. Are we going to go Hal or Harv? Because he wants to be called Hal. Okay, let's gonna, call him Hal. And, and I want to respect that okay. about this fictitious character. <laughs> let's, let's do that As then. someone named Michael, who people call Mike. <laughs> we actually get into this great cutting. I think it's fantastic. It's Hal and Nikki. Hal is coming up on Nikki. We've got Chaz and Nan, Rob and Kit. Rob is just being like, ooh, woe is me. feel so sorry for myself. And Buck is practicing Skip- lassoing cleats. And Skip and Arch are playing, they call it stretch. And we used to play it where you throw a knife into the ground and you have to put your foot there. Then you have to pick the knife up and you have to throw it in the dirt, try to get whoever can't be on two feet anymore. So we're doing this great cutting because they would cut from Buck throwing yeah. the... 
The rope. And he never misses. I just want to point out, he never misses. Exactly. Hint. So it's this wonderful cross-cutting going back yeah. and forth. It's building this tension. Like something is going to happen the first prank. As Skip and Arch are playing this game of stretch, Arch doesn't want to play it anymore, and he tosses the knife back to Skip. He tosses the knife right at your abdomen, and all of a sudden Skip has a knife yeah. With blood coming out, and he falls into it's a the pretty, water. It's pretty intense because oh, yeah. because Skip is hounding him, and Arch gets really angry, and boom, and Skip falls into the water. So Rob <laughs> and, and Buck. Buck, the deckhand, <laughs> jump into the water to help with Skip, and all of a sudden it's a prank. Skip had a fake knife, a flake squid pack, or something it's like that. Ladder of like fake yeah. blood. He had planted this out beforehand. And the captain is saying, oh, we're pulling the deck at the same time. And Buck's like, oh, well, then I'm not going to get out of the water. And if you look in the background, this is another hint. The constable's boat is already in the background. This is a possible setup. Because as a boat's coming into the dock, Buck is now missing when he's trying to lasso the cleat. You just saw him beforehand not miss a single lasso on the cleat. But now he misses every single one. And the boat crushes him. The captain rushes down. They pull Buck out of the water. His face is mangled. It's and gnarly. he's screaming. You notice there's no blood dripping on the ground. Right. The constable's boat is right there. And the captain is not letting anybody touch Buck. And he rushes him to the constable's boat. And, well, Buck is just freaking out. Yeah. Screaming. And, and, and really, I mean, would you get near that person? I would like to think I would try to apply some first aid to the person. His, <laughs> his eye was dangling out. What kind of first aid you got? The- I think they overwhelmed them with yeah. the insanity of the moment. I doubt that anybody's just going to, like, you know, tap you on the shoulder yeah. and go, excuse me, I, I don't see a lot of blood flying around. Could yeah. this perhaps be makeup? Yeah. <laughs> Because if you're wrong in that moment, that's not cool. And the captain gets Buck on the console's boat. The console comes on the boat, and the captain takes off. You're assuming taking Buck to a hospital. So now the console's on the boat, and everybody feels really bad, including Skip. Oh, this is not a way to start a spring break. Also, I'm going to say, you really, really just have to go with it. Because Buck has to get in the water for this to happen, and all of the things that lead up to getting Buck in the water happen. There's a lot of danger. There's a lot of dumb, dumb things. Oh, yes, that could go completely wrong. Yeah, for instance, like what happened with Buck. It's a big, big boat. It could have killed someone else. It could have yeah. killed dumb Rob and his tidy whities yeah, Or Chaz, was- like, let's say Chaz had jumped in the water too and there's three people and Chaz's like, I'm going to stay with Buck and I'm going to try to lasso his cleat as well. And they're all like, oh, we're going off script here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, you're absolutely right. So they get to the dock. Muffy comes down. She meets him at the dock and she's like, well, well, what's going on? What's going on? And Constable Potter is like, dude, pranks. The constable establishes some rules. And he says, everybody has to stay at Muffy's house. I'll contact you guys later. Then we arrive at this beautiful palatial estate. Okay, th- that place is awesome. Oh, yeah. it's. I mean, it, like Chaz has a line where he, go, where he goes, burn my bags, I'm home. Yes. And I'm like, I, I, 100% with him. I, I don't need a huge house, but boy, that is just a beautiful uh, place. I know. Muffy informs everybody that when she turns 21, this is her first stage inheritance. 
Now, I don't know how her family trust works. She gets this house. I don't know how any trust works. (laughs) And she said, it's a very special place to me. These are more hints that something else is going on. Chaz and Arch, they open these pocket doors, and there's this play setting with names and dolls. And it looks beautiful, and Nan points out, it's just like Agatha Christie's, and then there was none. Now... This is a clue because if you're watching this and you know this, you're like, oh, wait a second. Then this is a murder mystery because that book is one of the world's best-selling mysteries with over 100 million copies sold. It's a mystery about strangers invited to an island and each one is slowly killed off. So if you're familiar with the story, this may give you pause to now believe that this is true slasher movie. Indeed, some of the guests receive hints about past indiscretions similar to the book. I do sort of like also how quickly Chaz and everybody has forgotten about Buck's <laughs> <Poor> Buck. <laughs> deformed face and his yeah. eyeball dangling out of his head. Just like, oh, we're going to go have fun now. I know that you, you got to write the story to, to move forward and you can't just have them all sitting there. Also, they're just sort of that shallowness of these privileged rich kids. Yes. Muffy is preparing dinner for everybody. Kit is helping. And they are preparing hot dogs and beans. And it's also messing with her friends. Yes, Because everything is about messing with her friends. They all mess with each other. It's all about jokes because this spring break takes place during an April Fool's weekend. I have always been respectful of my friends' parents' houses growing up. And the last thing I ever do is go around and poke around in their house and open up drawers. And Hal goes into what amounts to Muffy's father's office. And he finds cigars. And he's like, you know what? I'm not just going to take one. I'm going to take like a handful of cigars. Yeah. We, We know he's a climber. But at the same time, that indicates you're not trustworthy. But it's also very telling because... Muffy must have known that Hal would have done this. And that's where there's a lot of suspension of disbelief in this movie because things have to happen in a certain way. Oh, God, so much. <laughs> and before dinner, everybody's watching the sunset. We also have Arch hamming it up on the camera. The lifestyles of the rich and undeserving. <laughs> also, that's where he eliminates Nan. Arch is, uh, is on camera. Then he says, I'm here to bat as many women as I can, which is really funny. It's limited supply. He's got two. <laughs> and he goes, well, Nan doesn't make the cut, which I find completely ridiculous. First of all, she's attractive. And she's single. She's single. Honestly, the only one, because we find out later, they have their thing. And Muffy shoots him down. So Nan is the only real option he has. That scene is actually very funny. I gotta be honest, the acting across the board, I think, is super, super good. I'm I'm not gonna say it's alien good. They're stereotypes. Yes. They're cliches, but the actors pull it off. The actors make them actual people. So Skip and Nan are having a very deep conversation. Skip is remorseful for what happened to Buck. He blames himself. And then he's also also goes into this really dark point about where he's talking about his dad not accepting him or that he's never a rise in the level that his dad was expecting for him. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Poor boy's got nothing to lose. Yes, exactly. Dad doesn't lose. <laughs> and, and, and Nan goes, well, his father's love. Watching this a second time, you have to realize that, spoiler alert, Skip is acting here. 
It's a really odd scene. You look at it from that perspective. Really heavy-handed. Yeah, and you're thinking, on your first viewing, you're thinking, oh my gosh, like, Skip has a major issue. (laughs) Which, therefore, in horror movies, when people have major issues, they tend to be some of the perpetrators of the violent actions. So then it skips. Everybody's going to dinner, except for Skip. And, and nobody cares. Nobody cares. No. And, and, and is there actually a seat for Skip at that table? I don't even think there is. <laughs> and, of course, practical jokes. Nan sits down. Whoopee cushion. And this is the first time that Muffy says, April Fools. She has her whole cast there. They're going to take part in this. Because, of course, Skip, spoiler alert, he knows what's going on. And, and he's off... Method acting is what we're going to get to. Yes. I guess is what he's doing. Everybody's enjoying. There's toast. There's discussions. The the collapsing chair. Yeah, collapsing chair. Arch Arch is a real sucker for the collapsing chair. I've never seen that before. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's a funny practical joke, but also very dangerous. You can hit your head and knock yourself out. That's not very funny. Spoken like a true dad. But and, and, and now, now now I know what I'm getting you for, for but your then, then Kit really wants to reveal what's going on with Rob, saying, you know, there's some really important news because they're discussing what's going to happen with them. And I remember having this discussion with friends. Hey, we're going to leave this soon. What are you going to do? And some people have very definitive plans at that time. But I would say the vast majority of people, they have no idea. Zero. What they're going to do. I mean, I had no idea. I was a non-traditional college yeah. student. I, I got out when I, I think I was like 30. I had no clue. I, I, I have no clue now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing like, like pretty much every day. It's sort of like getting out of college. I have no idea. I kind of like this. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, but Arch is, you know, hey, we're the best and the brightest, yeah. basically. It's just tumbleweeds and crickets. But Kit... She wants to be the good girlfriend say, you know, Rob. He's got plans. He's going to go to medical Plan school. Ruskies. <laughs> but then Rob reveals, like, listen, Kit, that's not exactly what's happening. I talked to my guidance counselor, and they said that I lack seriousness. <laughs> okay, he's the least funny person in, I mean, seriously, in this whole group. He is the most serious person in the entire movie. Yeah, I don't know what he was before he got on the ferry. He is Dollsville. It's like basically feeling sorry for himself, feathering his hair, wishing he was in Footloose. He's just such a wet blanket. I kept thinking wet blanket was the best description of this character. Now, my guidance counselor was there when I went. Our discussions were, well, what are you interested in doing? Let me see if I can find you jobs or next career fairs. That's what they did. No one said, listen, I'm not signing off on this job, so therefore you cannot do this. And that's what it sounds like in this movie. There's no way I'm going to put my name behind you ever being a doctor. (laughs) It's like, dude, fight for your future. I mean, he should still apply just because one person... Doctors, you get second opinions. Why not college advisors? Well, like, wait a second. I'm going to take this other guy over here. Well, clearly this guy didn't see Patch Adams. Because <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of unseriousness or seen elsewhere for that time. And after dinner, they all go on to their rooms. And there's a slew of pranks that take place, plus some discussions. Muffy and Nikki discuss the fact that Muffy had something with Arch in the past when Nikki was involved with him. And she's like, listen, I'm with Chaz. I really don't want you. He's mine. And then Nikki has the sink prank in her room where she turns on the water and sprays her in the face. 
Arch opens the medicine cabinet, and there's a whole bunch of drug well, paraphernalia. Here, okay, here, okay, before that, though, this this is I, I found this kind of interesting. For some reason, Chaz and Arch. Arch goes into his room, and Arch has these weird designs that, like, oh, I'm going to be betting all these women <laughs> that aren't here. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he starts pushing a bed together, and all of a sudden, there's Chaz. Chaz, they put them together... It's a huge house. Yeah. Why are they together? When also, clearly, Chaz and Nikki are together. Why? And and he ends up in Nikki's room. Exactly. It's just an odd moment. Then Nan, she's taking a shower and she hears a baby crying, which is a recording she finds. And then Rob and Kip, you know, the final people, their pranks are having to do with Eyes moving behind a painting. So white bread. And lights not being able to switch off. Hal finds the, the six die in the fog. He yeah. finds he, in the closet when he opens the door and he's talking about money. Yeah. There's an article. Then he finds in the drawer there's more accident stuff. And that's when Chaz opens the door and Harv Quick closes the dresser drawer. Yeah. And Chaz is looking at him like, there's something, what the heck's going on here? And those relate to him, and then his cigar explodes, Yes, <laughs> so Chaz goes, I got the wrong room, obviously. Once again, it goes to planning. You had to ensure that he ended up in that room, he ended up opening that box, he ended up taking those cigars. The lamest prank, Kit and Rob, they have the painting... With the little cat eyes behind with it. With the creepy cat eyes. And, and, and it is creepy. The caliber is very different for everybody except for Kip and Rob. Everything else has to deal with something that happened in their past. Or you're assuming that something happened in their past. We get Arch open the door until I find someone. First one he listens to. The second one he, yeah. he opens. Uh, no, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. not going in there. And then the third room, he's like, I'm going to march in yeah. here. And it ends up being Nikki and Chaz, and they're just pretzeled. Yeah, it looks all like all over each other. It's a it's absurd. Karma Sutra, like something where you stop and you're like, I don't know where people's hands and, and arms are ending. And I neither was, of them say, "Hey, stop doing yeah. that, you creep." Then Arch backs out. Then we go to we go to Skip, and he is the first victim. He nearly falls down the stairs. He realizes that there's some little skunk weed there that he could probably smoke. First of all, he's acting, not sure why. There's no audience. There's no but one there. Your first view, you don't know that. You but the don't. second view, you're like, why is he acting? Why is he doing knowing what happens? Second, I know he is a part of their crew, their group. They don't He's been missing all night. I know. He's no, not at the dinner. <laughs> nobody gives a hoot. Oh, and there's a new rule I got. Don't go into bow houses, especially at night. There's a jump scare where a cat is thrown at him from the ceiling. It's not from like the bottom up, but he's walking his cat. The cat comes from the top down. There's no reason. This is an extremely dangerous thing that Muffy is planning because even though Skip is in on this, I mean, he's not acting like it, and he has been drinking booze. I mean, and he's got a knife. And so somebody sneaks up on him and grabs him, and that's it. That's this cut. He's scene. got a switchblade. Either he's in on it the whole time, and he knows what's happening, and he's like, you know, I'm gonna get drunk, and I don't care because I know what's gonna happen. But why all this overacting? And like, why would you grab him if he if, if he's in on it, which he is? We're on to morning number one. Muffy shows up, and she looks awful. She looks crazed. She looks like a bag lady. And yeah, her clothes are completely different. Robin Kit see her and they just go. And then Arch goes, you know, who made her night? Yeah. <laughs> like no concern. So the group is going to play soccer. 
and Kip and Rob are going to go, and they're going to go swimming. Yes. And Nan is going to study. Nan is very curious about where is Muffy, Muffy. Because that recording of the baby made her upset. So Rob and Kip go off. They're going to swim. Rob is still upset about the discussion from the day before. Oh, such a wet blanket. I know. I'm going to be a doctor because I go to medical school, or I'm going to be a TV repairman. And Those are the only two options. Exactly. That That's it. Like, you have a degree from Vassar. I think there are going to be plenty of opportunities for you. But I just have to point out, I did some deep diving in TV because it, it reminded me, like, yeah, you don't see a lot of TV repairman jobs right now. Between 1960 and 2021, televisions experienced an average inflation rate of a negative 7.16% per year. So basically... If you bought a $300 TV in 1960, it's only worth $3.24 nowadays. That's why I don't see a TV repairman. Technology has dropped. You don't rep- you don't fix those things. You just throw away and buy another one. Pretty much. But they go in. Kit is going to say, you know what? I need to appease my man. He's upset. I'm going to take him into the boathouse. He's such a baby. I'm going to lay down a blanket and we're going to have sex. They get busy on the floor, and beneath the slats of the floor, you see... What an odd, conveniently thing to happen. In a boat, floating by, dead. They come back, and the whole group is sitting there at tables, and they're drinking... Budweiser. And that is a nice time to say... Cheers. Cheers. The Triple Five, New Glarus. Oh, I wish they would... I'm glad you're enjoying this. Oh, I wish they would... You could buy this here. Got to be honest, it's one of those things that gradually, after living out here for several years, I've seen a few breweries that start distributing out here like it used to be. I'd go home. And when I go back home, I only drink beer that I can't get out here. It just makes no sense. Of course. I go, oh, I'm I'm checking off. Suddenly I could get Founders. And I love Founders. And I went, oh, I can get them out here now. One of the things I truly appreciate about this brewery, take some stones. To say, we're not distributing outside of this state. You know what's cool, Jason? Is that you have a friend who will bring the stuff out here. <laughs> exactly. You you know what? All of your other beer drinking <laughs> friends can say, I wish they distributed out here. And then you can say, yeah, I've had it. It's a delightful beer. I could I could totally be at Muffy St. John's house. <laughs> and that, that beautiful overlook of the, of the water surrounding it. I just sip these and, and go... Ah, oh, my friends are a bunch of privileged jerks. <laughs> when I first had this, I, I was just blown away. I thought it was great. And then I said, I'm going to bring some more back and use great it. Great idea. I know. I, I've got ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I drink and I have ideas. <laughs> so, yeah, now, now everybody cares about Skip. So we're going to go find him and they find a broken knife. Yes, his switchblade is broken. Muffy is acting really strange. Nan confronts her. She's asking her, like, why did you do that joke? Thought you wanted to be my friend. Yes. And it's just mean. Who told you? One of your preppy friends? And Harvey is overhearing the conversation. Oh, good. Oh, how convenient. So they are going to go out and look for Skip. Arch goes off. No buddy system. We're going to go out looking for this either Skip or the person who did this to Skip by themselves. I will say that Chaz, he goes, wait, we're, we're going to split up? This is not a good idea. You call out the inaccurate response, 
and then you just still go with that response because at least you're recognizing to the audience this is not the good way to do it <laughs> so arch is going to be clearly victim number two. Oh yes he's creeping through the forest the and ominous thank, music comes thank up god he stepped <laughs> just where he stepped I mean, it's a snare and he is clearly no detective because that snake that snake wants to bite him <laughs> dude that snake is poised constantly i'm not sure what it is i looked it up in connecticut there are two snakes that are venomous a rattlesnake and uh i think a copperhead neither of them are considered aggressive there is a snake right coiled, there like out just about to get you and then he steps in a snare you know, Native Americans, they would go out and they would set dozens of snares in the hopes of catching one thing. They put one snare out and caught a giant white man. On your second watch of the movie, how did they know he would end up here? That's what I'm saying. It's just like so perfect. It's yeah. so It stretches disbelief. Also, once you watch the movie and you realize what Muffy St. John wants to do, is this something you want to do to your guests? Jason, I love the idea of, of like, no, I mean, if, if we did like a couple's work. Like a murder like, mystery. So fun. But if they said, hey, by the way, there's a chance you might get in a snare yeah. and pulled off your feet, hung upside down, I'd say no. This is her sort of dry run, yes. her, her dress rehearsal. I would say, okay, on the little note card, I'd say, well, don't have the poisonous snake. I have whiplash now. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not to mention, you know, I fell in a well and almost cracked my skull open. That's coming up. So then we then we cut to Nan. She's alone. She's really upset. This whole thing, I feel bad for her character. Yeah. Like, she seems to have been invited and just completely disrespected and had her feelings com just meh. She's sitting alone. On a bench. You're Suddenly the wind picks up. And to this day, I've always wondered if something was cut from this movie because we don't see her again. She just disappears until something happens a little later. I watched this film several times now, as we do. Sometimes <laughs> drinking, sometimes not drinking. <laughs> At that point, I didn't realize she was a victim until later on. And I agree with you. Maybe there was something cut. It's never clear why this character was invited. It's never yeah. clear what her purpose serves. It's just mean. Like, well, like, like unnecessarily cruel to a person. I'm going to make an argument that not these people, although they feel they're close friends with Muffy, none of them are close friends. They're people who are within her friend circle, her, but she is just doing this as a test, and she can't have people who are completely close with her, otherwise they would realize it. I would say this. I think it's, it's very clear that Nikki and her have been friends a long, long yeah. time, but also the way Nikki talks about her and the way she interacts with her, there's always been a certain distance. I just felt bad. I thought I, yeah. Nan's character is just like, like treated horribly, kind of kicked to the curb at the end. Like, hey, we all had fun, right? Boom. Yeah. I'm sorry I you had an abortion and I decided to poke fun at it. Exactly. What the hell? I know. So, what kind of friend are, are you? <laughs> so, but we're back and Muffy... Oh, the water is out. The water is out. But I, this is another hint where, like later that evening, the water's not out. <laughs> so this is just something to drive the guests or, or friends crazy where it's belching black sewage water out. And so we need water. And so Harv and Nikki decide that. And she points him like, 
The whale is over there. Which I love that. She just literally point like, it's that way. Nikki goes, I'm going to go get it because she's all, she's street tough. And Hal goes, you're not going alone, which is completely smart. No. It's a very smart thing. Buddy system. So they go there. Nikki is a mean girl. Hal is... He's, he's not perfect either. No. He's, he's like Mr. No, he's Alex B. Keaton he's, on steroids. Yeah, he, he's, he's a creep. He actually says, I would like to plow your field. Yes. Completely so, incapable of handling this situation. Both of them. Hal tries to pull water out from the pail, but the pail's not tied. He didn't check it. Well, it's a rotten rope. <laughs> yeah. And he goes, anyone could see that. It's a rotten rope. And but, she said, you didn't. And then he says, well, give me the flashlight. And she just, she just drops it. it. <laughs> All of this, Jason, is, is just this sequence of, of wonderful coincidences yeah. that lead Nikki to climb down into the well. And then, of course... In the well, a rung breaks. She falls into the well. Almost cracks her skull on the side of a stone well. Once more, this is a very dangerous game Muffy's playing. She needs to have people sign a lot of liability. I don't even know if there's enough waivers to sign. (laughs) I really don't. I have no idea how that works, but I I would think that there's just not enough. And all of a sudden, these heads are floating around her. and It's Arch's head, and it's Skip's head. And then a body floats up, and it's a Nan. Nan's so dead? Nan's dead? Okay, thanks for telling us, guys. Yeah. And if that was really Nan's body, is she play-acting being it is dead? Clearly, it is clearly Nan's body. And that, so, on your first view, you're assuming she's dead. On the second view, you realize she is not... Spoiler she is not dead. So they are like, get in that, hold your breath until they climb down in there. It makes no sense. No, it, it, Jason... It, Either it's it, a mannequin. It, it, it doesn't... <laughs> Nikki's completely freaked out. That's when Hal decides to ask Muffy, where, where do you keep your guns? She says there are no guns in this house. You would think there'd be like shotguns, like hunting guns. Like they, they probably still, you know, hunted fox or something. Yeah. Rob is calling, trying to get through to Constable Potter. And Constable Potter alibis Buck and the ferryman, Cal. And, but he mentions some things to Rob in private. But it's a tale that comes up later on. So now the remaining group is going to go through the house and lock doors and lock windows. Which, to me, they seem very nonchalant about it. Well, if you think someone's after them, you're like, yeah, we'll lock this window. You know? Well, okay, Jason. But also, when Rob, is, uh, he's listening to the constable and he's looking around and he, he just says, Muffy? And then we find out later that the constable is telling him, watch out for Muffy. Nobody be alone with her and stay together. <laughs> Rob does nothing. <laughs> That's when we find out that Hal, of course, has a gun. Because that's what you pack when you go out on a spring break with friends. I'm going to pack a revolver. I've got to have a gun. Just in case. Yeah, I mean, you know, Jason, you never know. My spring it? break gun. <laughs> yes. That's when Nikki finally addresses Muffy's behavior. Because it's been freaking weird. Things start kind of being brought out. Hal mentions... Hey, I heard her talking to uh, Nan. About abortion. And it's abortion. And Nikki reveals she found the bondage gear. Yeah. Kip and Rob decide that they're going to go investigate. And they're going to go and close the windows and shut the doors in Muffy's dad's office. And Kit finds a picture. Two little kids. Look a lot alike. Same page boy haircut. Interesting. So what is going on there? We don't know. Neither do these friends of Muffy. 
everybody starts talking about Muffy and pointing yeah. fingers, and then Kit steps up. She's not having it. She, she's like, Muffy is our friend, and this is, and Muffy shows up. She's insane. She's crazy. <laughs> she just looks like a crazy old woman. I mean, completely different from the character yeah. that you first met. And Rob decides, listen, the constable said he's going to light a flare off. I'm going to go up to the attic <laughs> because I think it's the best vantage point to see the flare. <laughs> It makes no sense. And during that time, you have victim four and five. Mm-hmm. Because Nikki has had enough. She is going to leave, which is always a horror trope. You are being besieged by a outside attacker. I'm going to leave. There's no way out of the island. Real quick, though. I, I do have to go back to something. When they all split up, go back to their rooms. What if they hadn't done that? Their if Rob action. had spoken up and said... Hey, everybody, we need to stay here. Like, Muffy, you can go back up to your room. Not going to argue with that. The rest of us, I talked to the constable, and he said we need to stay together. If they all just sat in that room, kind of screws up her whole weekend. Nikki's like, I'm going to leave because this is a horror trope. There's no way off the island. There's no boat. I'm going to leave. I'm going to pack my bag. I'm not thinking I'm going to leave. Okay, first of all, Jason... Why are you packing your bag? But, <laughs> like, like, just leave. Like, seriously, people are being murdered all over. I don't really care about that cool John Carpenter t-shirt that I have. I'm, a, I'm like, I'm out. I'm yeah. done. Where are you leaving to? You're on an island. There's no way off. I'm safer here in this house than wandering in the dark. But that's a common horror trope. Oh, and, it's 100%. And, and, and Chaz tries to lighten up the mood by putting on S&M masks that they found, the bondage masks. She leaves the room and comes back, and he's laying down on the bed. And she's talking to him, and she's realizing he's not moving. And his hand is covering over his... His junk. Yes. (laughs) And first of all, suddenly he gets really kind of casual. Like, oh, you got to look on the bright side. Yeah, exactly. Okay, three people have been murdered. One of them (laughs) is your really good friend. I assume Arch is a really good friend. And he's just like, oh, you got to look at the bright side. And then he's like, kind of want to get some too. Like, whoa, buddy, you're you're weird. You might be the murderer. She's talking to him and, and all of a sudden she realized like he's not responding. And she moves his hand. And he has, like, there's blood, yeah. you know, kind of gushing from that area. And she screams, and then the door closes, and, you know, so closet door opens. Yeah. It's like, and a, a boot yeah. steps out, and she's she doesn't scream. In a way, is unrealistic, but on the other hand, in this era of the Scream Queen, it's kind of awesome. Yeah. You would think there would be a blood-curdling oh, scream. Yeah. But again, I'm going to say this. Holy crap. They quickly turn Chaz into a believer. Once you watch the movie, everybody quickly has to say, you know what, Muffy? That's a good idea. I, I like your idea. Yeah, Jason. I'm willing to, like, as opposed to saying, you know what? That is BS, Muffy. I was expecting a spring break here to relax from <laughs> a hard college semester. Or worse, like, Jason. Yeah. It's like, I step out and you just decide, punch I'm going to punch you yeah. or, or something shoot else. You. Or I might, yes, I might have a knife. Hard, I might do how, something. How, respectively, has a gun? Walking around with a gun. Deal that you just pop, I pop out of a closet and I go, hey, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> you're, and you're it's going. a joke. There's a bunch of murders going on and you are and you look at me and you go, oh, my gosh. You got, <laughs> you got me. You got me good. <laughs> so you want me to pose here with my hands over my privates yeah. and you're just going to pour some fake blood so it looks like I was shot there or something? That's what you want to do? Yeah. All right. Let's yeah. do and that. I'm not going to laugh. Because my be- girlfriend is super freaked out right yeah. now, like to the point of being. She'll love this. Yeah. <laughs> Let's keep the charade going. And so Rob and Kit make their way up to the attic. Rob informs Kit about the full conversation with the constable. And then 
Kit sees the dolls. A wonderful attic. coincidence. Oh, yeah. Because apparently the, the attic, because Rob said, I have to go find the attic. It's not easy to find. It's not the easiest place to go. So they decided to set up this. On my first view, I thought Rob was in on it. Realized I'm like everyone was well, in Rob on it. Rob is it because like, why would he say that the attic makes, there's no way to view outside the attic. The attic generally doesn't have a view shed to see a flare gun across the lake. And then the flare goes off. This is a loud flare. It's, it's like it's one thing to see it, but you could hear it. It, it exactly. was like it was like the constable like, was right Whoa. outside the house. <laughs> yeah, he just poof. And then Rob and Kit they run down. They find Nikki and Chaz just blood. And how we find out, you know, like almost shooting yeah. someone. They're like, hey, by the way, we're gonna hang you. From if you rope. look at it, there's something hanging behind you. Like he's yeah. clearly not hanging. <laughs> but I, I will say, like, if you're in that mode, yes. you're not stopping to like, I'm like, gonna. Let's examine this hanging body. You're not, you know what? You're yeah. my friend. Yeah. I love you. I'm not spending a bunch of time yeah. <laughs> looking around for you, which is what they're doing. They're like, yeah. we got to go find these people. Yeah. Even near the end, Kit goes, you know, she says something about Muffy. And Rob goes, forget her. He goes, she's my friend. At that point, you know, it's dude. Everyone for themselves. If you aren't out there, I'm not coming to find you. They, for some reason, head down to the boathouse. That makes to- that makes sense to me. And the boat is there. No there's key. no constable. And there's no key. Also, Kit's like, oh, there's an envelope. Not the like, like this is a police boat. Uh, I mean, once again, we're going about happenstance. And she takes a official police document and decides, you know, I'm going to open this. <laughs> because I think this is going to inform what's going on here. She has no idea. It could have been a performance review for a fellow officer. But it's also like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is a note from an insane asylum that a patient's missing. <laughs> Exercise extreme caution. She's like, whoa. Miss St. John. Yeah. Who's been here for three years in this institution for three years. And Kit goes, Muffy hasn't been in an institution yeah. for three years. She's been at Vassar. Exactly. And, and, and I'm, like, I'm like, oh, she was at Vassar. Good for you. Then they realize to get off this island, they need that key and they know it's back in the house. Uh, but the doors are locked. But what do they see? Well, it's a very interesting thing because after you watch this movie a few times, you notice when they're running out of the house... Like, for some reason, Kit is going to go close the door. And Rob goes, forget about the door. So the door is (laughs) open. And when they go back, the door is closed. Everything's locked up except for the basement window from the beginning, which is a very clever thing. And it doesn't really stretch the disbelief idea. I'm going to sort of lead you over. This is your only way in. And Rob goes, that's how we're going in. Not exactly what I would do. I would like be setting the house on fire. Yeah, I'd be exactly. like, this is a scorched earth situation. <laughs> I'd be like getting a couple oars from the from the boathouse and I'd push that boat away, row. So, but they go into the basement. Blood on the ground. They find that clues that Muffy has been replaced by her twin. Buffy? Yes. Oh my God. There is a twin. The evil twin <laughs> trope. And Kit goes... Oh, that picture in the den. It makes so much sense now. She's got a twin sister, Buffy. That's the crazy person that escaped. So they are all locked in. Buffy slash Muffy is nailing in that cellar door now, leaving them only one direction. The they window. Ex- they, yeah, so they go up through the kitchen. It's interesting that they're they're trapped inside the house. And Rob gets stuck inside the pantry. Yes, And you're not you. sure how he gets stuck inside until later on you realize that someone's in there with him. There's like a quick close-up of yeah. something that it, yeah. it goes and locks where he can't open it. 
And now it's Muffy and Kit in the final showdown. And if you watch it when you second time, you realize that Muffy is really trying to steer Kit towards one doorway, pocket doors. She's backing her down. And, and Kit is just like pleading, like, just let us go, let us go. And finally, Kit opens a door and turns around. And Michael? Everyone's in there. I, I am just going to say this again, belaboring a point. This is a very dangerous game. What if Kit had fought back? Yes. There's ample things that you could do that I would like or to think. brought a gun get. herself because yeah. she's like, I'm going to bring guns but to spring break. all the things at her disposal right there. I mean, it's like, this is a very dangerous game because what does she do? She Muffy, Muffy is going to go, oh, hold on. I'm kidding. Yeah. I'm kidding. Is that going to stop if you thought there's murder afoot everywhere? Kit bursts through the pocket doors and there is everybody. Including the captain and the constable. And everybody's... Speaking in hushed tones. Very quiet. It's just a, almost a silent scene. They're all hanging out. And she's just looking around. Like Kit is just disbelief. And then she turns around. There's Muffy. And she takes the knife. And Muffy stabs her own palm. And it's one of those fake knives with the retracting blade. And Kit is just going, what is going on? And it jumps to Rob. And he's screaming. And that's one of my favorite. That's one of the best things he does. His meltdown, his yeah. his screaming, he's just banging on the door. Yeah. I love you, kid. Yeah. I love you. I love you. And <laughs> then Buck appears, and Buck pulls the latex wound off his face. He kisses. He, first of all, he kisses. He kisses Rob, and Rob punches him. <laughs> yeah, punches. Well, he tries to punch him, and this is an example where Buck actually dodges the punch. Most people would be hit square in their jaw and their nose. Yeah, and he dodges it. And kisses Rob and then pulls off the latex wound and puts it on Rob. And Rob and, is complete disbelief. Like, he doesn't know what's going on. He's still screaming. And he, He's still and, freaking and out. And Buck like, opens the door for him and Rob goes running. <laughs> yeah, runs in and he comes on the scene with that yeah. like latex wound. And he's hanging. still screaming. He's freaking out. Like, I can only imagine how messed up yeah. he would be in the head. And Kit is sitting there, and she looks exhausted. Yeah. Everyone else is just kind of laughing because, you know what, in the last day and a half, they've all been like, we've had yeah. a good time with this. It's an April Fool's joke, and Muffy does the big reveal. First stage of inheritance kicks in. Order to like make sure that she keeps the house, she has to show that there's some sort of money being made. So her idea was she wants to have a whodunit mystery weekend country inn, which... I think is a great idea. Her friends she used as a dry run. Very dangerous dry run. And and I wrote down, I said, only in that part of the country is this a viable option. <laughs> because, you know, this is a huge house. This is expensive. It's like, you're going to need people who are going to throw down some coin, you know? So, and, and of course, we find out more, like, for instance, the twin in the picture. That's actually Skip. Skip's her brother. So, clearly, none of these people are really close friends. And they didn't realize, like, she had a brother this entire time. And going back, it's like it's clear that Nikki and Muffy have known each other a long time. Longer than college. Like, they grew up together. You get that impression. How does she not know she has a brother? I, I think we talked about this. Yeah. When we first met... It didn't take long before, like, I had an idea you have siblings. And you have siblings. And then uh, the friends are very forgiving. They're all drinking. She brings champagne out to everybody. And they're celebrating. Uh, you know, as a friend, I would be pissed. Like, I so thought have- people, my friends died. I think my life was in jeopardy. You're like, surprise! April Fools. <laughs> April Fools. 
and Buck the whole time. He's a makeup yeah. artist. Do this. And Cal, the ferryman, is Cal, the, the ferryman. ferryman. That was kind of cute. But I also like when they start partying and three dog night, Mama told me not to come. Oh, yeah. So they're that having song such a- is really strange. It's a great tune. It's such a great tune. So they're having this great time. We cut to Muffy, and she's loaded. She's got a bottle yeah. of champagne. She's like stumbling into her bedroom, going in there to sleep. I do have to say, though, when she's saying, hey, you guys did a great job. Sorry some of the clues were taken too seriously. But we had fun, yeah. didn't we? And it's just like this extremely callous indifference to human feeling. Rob does say at one point, you could have got really hurt. And she said, well, you know what? The real guests in the future will know what's up. They're going to be showing up for this kind of Why didn't she tell her friends that? I mean, if she really wanted to do a dry run where she's going to let the guests know this is a murder mystery, it's not real. Why play that joke on her You don't want that wild card (laughs) of like somebody having guns and somebody... Take it serious, like punching you. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like I'm going to start doing... Or, you know, like what what if somebody freaked out and committed suicide? Was like, oh, there's a murderer. We're trapped in this island. I'd rather be dead than be murdered. Yeah. There are so many things that could have gone wrong with this. So, yeah, she's in the bedroom. Lo and behold, there's this, there's a wrapped up present. She opens it. It's a jack-in-the-box. She's all drunk. She's like turning it, turning it, turning it. Then Nan pops up with a knife and pulls back her head and slits her throat. And Muffy screams. And then Nan points out, it's just a fake knife. It's a number prop. All a big joke. And the jack-in-the-box is a true jack-in-the-box, although it winks at the camera. <laughs> it does. And Nan breaks the fourth wall. Yeah. She looks at us. She gives a, a really kind of sexy yeah. wink. Because it's sort of Nan gets her revenge. Like, yeah. you know what? You really hurt me. Now I'm going to get you back a little bit. Did you read how this was the ending that the studio wanted? There was another ending. Where Skip is the brother, he, and he kills Muffy he, yeah. to get the inheritance. I'm glad they didn't do that. I really am. Because I like that it ended this way. Yes. Skip killing her. It's it's a darkness that... Yeah. This is a fun movie. Yeah. I love this movie. This movie is so much fun. It's just silly. It's just a big goof off. Totally steeped in that era of over-the-top blood and guts horror movies. I love that this is a weird outlier. Where they said, we're just going to make a silly movie with an odd twist at the end. It's not going to be overly violent. We're not going to have a bunch of nudity. Most of the violence that you expect is off screen or just hinted at. Even when Chaz and Nikki are dead, you don't see their bodies. You just see blood dripping on the floor. Everything is kept off screen. Everybody survives. This is not your typical horror slasher movie of the time period. The critics beat this movie up because of the twist ending. I've always thought that's what makes it kind of unique. I thoroughly recommend this. I 100% recommend anything from Nuglaris. Oh, yeah. Um, in, this, in this triple five, if you are able to find it, it is a limited release. Just came out this year. And anything you can get by them is it's so, so good. No, it, it is excellent. And if you compare it with uh, April Fool's Day, you've got the triple. <laughs> the triple being the three new friends. <laughs> I pulled this together. I pulled this right out of my butt. <laughs> because, you know, we, we like to try to have yeah. a connection. The triple, Hal, Nan, and Skip, 
the three new friends and the five core friends. <laughs> I got it. I totally did it. I did it. I can I can I can pull any beer and connect it to any <laughs> any movie that we do. I, I think I've figured that out. I think I've been able to do that so far. A huge fan of this movie, especially, you know, around April Fool's Day. You always talk about horror movie bingo. You need to have April Fool's Day. There covered. is there is no better movie for April Fool's Day. I don't care what you throw at me. I'm going to say this is better. I had not seen this movie. Watched it when it came out in the 80s. And I distinctly remember the VHS cover being at our local video store. When I watched it, I remembered a completely different movie. I'm still trying to track down what I remembered. <laughs> no, that's great. That's great. It's a unique movie. First time, I'm like, whoa, it caught me off guard. And then the second time, I try to put together, it's like, okay, does this work out? Of course, like Michael and myself will poke holes in the... But I really like this movie. New Glarus, this is great. Like, if you could drink a couple of these rather than the Budweiser they're drinking this movie oh. and be in a, you know, kick back on the East Coast for a spring break, which most of us, as working adults... We don't get spring breaks anymore. Yes, no, no, that, those days are long behind yes, us. Yes, long behind it's us. It's nice to think back about the '80s, the clothes. I mean, this is a time capsule. It's a total time capsule of, of just like the clothes, the attire, the approach to life. I will say this completely out of the blue: the music, the score, totally echoes the X Files theme. That whistling. <laughs> Forgot to mention that earlier. Gets you. Gets right behind your ear. It's one of those movies that you, I, I watch it, and I, I don't know if it's just a youth thing, but I just I always feel comfortable watching this movie. I know it had a rated R when it came out, which I'm still struck. Why an R? I think I would allow my oldest to watch this. I might edit three scenes slightly just so that I still think they're a little inappropriate. <laughs> They're inappropriate, but there is no nudity. No, there's no nudity. There's no graphic violence. Nope. Today, I'd, I'd be like, this is PG-13. I, Easy. I, but yeah. I, I'm also a terrible person. I, I'd, be, I'd be like, <laughs> I give this a PG. So yeah, we both recommend this one. There you go. And we both totally recommend the Triple Five from New Glarus. Oh, absolutely. I say anything from this brewery. If they said we fermented diapers, dirty diapers <laughs> and garbage <laughs> juice, I would buy it. I would buy it. I'd, I'd go... Well, they probably did this right. <laughs> I totally would. Thanks for listening to Beer and B Movies. If you like us, subscribe, like, and comment on our podcast. And follow us on Instagram and Twitter. This is Jason. And I'm Michael.